Why Watch That is a podcast featuring the critic and referee who go head-to-head on a quest to discover the best movies and TV shows Hollywood has to offer. Expect the unexpected from the critic. Well, nothing gets past the ref. We do all the work. So you don't have to. Welcome Welcome to to Why Watch Watch That. We're on Twitter. What? We're on Facebook. What's a Facebook? We're on Instagram. <laughs> and we are on the WWW. But guess what else we're on? What? We're on YouTube! Oh! <laughs> YouTube! That's right. We have our own channel. Oh. Yes, there you can find our episodes, some trailers, and a whole lot more we're cooking up. And we have a very, very special opportunity for you. That's right. If you subscribe at YouTube, our channel there, this month of July, you will be entered to win a custom watching plan from Why Watch That. If you win, yeah, we'll tell you, hey, here's some things for you, just you, to check out. We will curate that thing for you. Ew, why watch that? We're kind of nice over here, aren't we? We sure are. So if you're interested in that, and heck, you should be on the YouTube anyway. The YouTube. See, I was saying like, oh, man. <laughs> Not just a YouTube. <laughs> be on the YouTube anyway at our channel, Why Watch That. Subscribe in July, and maybe you'll know what to watch from here forth. So why watch that TV talk? Ooh, 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 we've got some TV for you. La, 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 la. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you love it when we have some new series premieres? A couple season premieres, excuse me. And we have a series finale. We're saying bye-bye. Mm. We're just, mm. I mean, it's just... We're saying goodbye to it. A tough one. A tough one. But I, I think it was a worthy, a worthy bow. <laughs> wow. Well, before we get it to was that, something. it was something to it wasn't boring, put it that way. Let's start yeah. with the series premieres. These are brand new shows. Um, we have Stump Town on ABC. Now, this premiered a couple weeks ago. And it has a very familiar cast. She's back on television after she's been dipping in and out of the Marvel world, shall we say. And she plays something that we haven't seen her play before. Because How I Met Your Mother is definitely not like this show on ABC. (laughs) (laughs) No. And uh, the she in question is Kobe Smulders playing Dex... Harios. Now, this is in Portland, and I guess that's what Stumptown is. I didn't know that. Okay. So there it is. Who knew? I didn't know that Portland, and I love Portland, but there we go. So she's living in Portland, and she's a Marine vet who has now returned from war. Is that haunting her? Yes. In particular, the love of her life is the source of the haunting. I'll say it that way. Not oh. literal haunting. Oh, oh. It's not a ghost. Um, and what happens is 
while she was, um, you know, in the war, she was a specialist in trying to find certain people that the army needed to, or the, I should say the Marines needed to hunt down. Okay. So if you're over in the Middle East doing that, what kind of skills do you have to have? Right. As a white American female. Hmm. So she ain't no joke. But does that show up in the show? Now, in the first, uh, the pilot, the very first moments, we see an action sequence. They just start right off the bat. Breath. And she's in a compromising situation that she has to get out of. It was a great way to introduce the show and her, its feel, because everybody, this is based on uh, a comic book. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. So you go, oh, and when you watch it, you kind of feel that. This is not your typical network show. So, okay, she's in that situation, but how did she get there? We flash back. We find out that uh, this guy that she was in love with, his mother, wants her to do something. And um, his mother runs a casino, a tribal casino. So there's all kinds of tension there. Of course, the mother doesn't like her. How does she respond to that? So what happens is um, somebody in the family, their family goes missing. Dex needs to go find this girl. So this is how she ends up in the situation from the beginning. Now, does she get out of it? Does she figure out who's behind this kidnapping? Because that's what's going on. Does she get the person back? All of this you find out in episode one. And along the way, as she's trying to navigate her way into finding this girl, she encounters the cops, the people who are supposed to be doing this. Now, why haven't they been called in? Hmm? So they end up coming in in the form of Michael Ely's character, Detective Miles Hoffman. And there's something between the the detective and Dex. I'll put it that way. But looming over all of this is Detective Miles' boss, Lieutenant Cosgrove, played by Cameron Mannheim. So Cameron Mannheim is looking at Dex and going, you need to be licensed. You don't need to be out here investigating you're in our way and it's illegal. Mm. Okay. Now, Miles is kind of like, well, yeah, but she's kind of (laughs) good. So there's this tension. And in the second episode, they flesh that out even more. What the Lieutenant actually thinks about Dex. Is she really, uh, does she really dislike her or is there something else going on? That's the question. Now, Dex also is taking care of her brother. Uh, who's, uh, he's he's working, I should say, in a bar owned by Dex's friend, Gray. And Gray's played by Jake Johnson. Now, what's going on between Dex and, and Gray? What's that about? We learn more about that. We learn how they met each other in the second episode. Hmm. So there are all kinds of connections between these people. And the thing is, Dex has a shell around her so it who does she really like who is she attracted to who's attracted to her is it more than one person all of this comes to fruition in Stumptown and in each episode so far the first two there is something something she has to investigate and it ends so there's not some looming thing episode to episode which is nice mm-hmm. so if you like a detective procedural an investigator procedural 
you should watch this. I'll just say it that way. You should watch this based on the first two episodes. I enjoyed it. I like its aesthetic. I like its sense of humor. They don't wallow also in the story. There was only one moment in the pilot when they did and I forgave them of that because it was a pilot and they had a really good pilot. For pilots, I don't think you can do better on network TV. The cast, I love. I will say that. I think Kobe is great as the lead. She and Michael Ely have a wonderful chemistry. They're both likable and nice to watch. They're interesting to watch. Jake Johnson is exactly right for his role. Cameron Mannheim, of course, she walks into the room and you go, that's the boss. So it's just well done. And I hope that people find it like this kind of show because I think it's just, it's fun and there's enough meat on it too that makes it good. And I'll end it with this. When Dex and Kobe is fighting, it seems almost real. And I'll put it to you this way. She gets hurt when she fights. It's not like she's a superhero. No. Gotcha. Okay. So I, you know what the funny thing is? I recommended it to a friend and she loves it. So mm-hmm. I feel like this could be a real different shift for ABC because they do need that. Um, you know, they need some variety. Let's move this on to- This was the best pilot. This was the best pilot of the season. Oh, yes. excellent. Moving on to Almost Family on Fox, which is also a part of the ABC Disney family. It's like all really, not really, not this, not this. Um, this Almost Family is, uh, you don't want to find out that your family is this way. <laughs> Put it that way. You don't want to just come across this type of Almost Family. You know, just saying, oh, wow, we have the same. Okay, there it is. You're going to explain what I'm talking about with this, but uh, Uh, I guess uh, somebody was busy. Yes, busy at work (laughs) in all senses of that word, all meanings. Now, who was busy? A fertility doctor named Dr. Leon Beckley, played by Timothy Hutton. Um, and what happens is, hey, he helps women get pregnant. All yeah. these women he's helped. I mean, these are women who they've struggled, and he just has some sort of magic that makes it happen. Does he? Now? And he, yeah, well, <laughs> and he has a grown daughter who is basically his assistant, but she wants more for her life. She could be doing more, but she's the only one who can manage him. Okay, so what happens is news break comes out Uh that somebody thinks that their child, that, you know, they got pregnant from Dr. Beckley, that their child's father is him. So instead of him fertilizing the egg with the sperm he said he was, he used his own sperm. Now, this then snowballs into something just huge. There are maybe a hundred kids who are his children. And his daughter is looking at him going, no, come on, this can't be real. Yeah, it can. Okay, so how is she gonna take this? And something happens to him health-wise, I'll say, that leads to all of this, that helps it to come out. So the daughter is trying to hold everything together. Right? She is a part of the, the company. Oh my goodness. and. She now maybe has 99 or 100 siblings. <laughs> and this this daughter, you know, her love life hasn't been the best lately. She's been just hooking up with guys. But there are at least 99 siblings out there. 
So how does that affect her? Mm -hmm. Just see if you can connect those dots. I won't go all the way. Well, hopefully okay. she's not connecting those dots. <laughs> well, that's the question. Now, somebody who she needs to help, she needs help, she needs a lawyer, right? And one of the people she grew up with is a lawyer, but they're not friends. They, they're frenemies, maybe not even that, they don't get along. Hmm. But this lawyer is possibly her half-sister. Oh boy, she's <laughs> golly. Okay. And then you find out the truth of that. There's also uh, this this kind of like social media star. It was, uh, I think she was an actress uh, from the past and now she supports her whole family by being a social media star. And she ends up being one of the children too. So she's brought in and really it's the, the daughter who thought she was the only one with the frenemy who's the lawyer with the social media star they meet and are they going to develop some sort of family is it almost family and what's going to happen to the papa is he going to be locked up for this it is illegal yeah right? totally illegal and he did not discriminate we must add <laughs> no he did not no he he spread the love <laughs> he did indeed <laughs> yeah so okay Oh yeah, she was an athlete. This, this, the, who's now the uh, social media star. Gotcha, athlete. gotcha. Okay. okay. So, here's what I have to say. Please. The premise, you kind of going, mm, could this work? It was. It is based on an Australian TV show, Sisters. Oh, okay. And Raph, am I crazy? I remember something like this in the news. I. Oh, oh. Uh, maybe. Something like a fertility doctor got his patients pregnant. But anyway, something like, I don't know if it's another TV show. But so I was watching this going, okay, premise, let's see what they do with it. In the first episode, it was kind of like, eh, okay, it's fine. I mean, you have Timothy Hutton. Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, outside of that, I mean, if you're interested in it, you can check it out. It wasn't terrible, but there wasn't much for me to recommend. I mean, I will watch the second episode, but after that, I'm not quite sure. Oh, well, you know, that's how it goes sometimes. Yeah. So you got a chance to see something that I sneaked a peek at. I didn't finish. Mm -hmm. And this is Raising Dion. Uh, it's all episodes are now available because it's on Netflix. Yeah. And this is a nine episode season, which is interesting. Mm -hmm. uh, it is based on a comic book. It is based on a short film. But you tell us about it. Tell us what's going on. Because I heard that you finished it. I did. I did. I did. Mm -hmm. I did. Okay. So it's called Raising Dion. Who is Dion? Well, hold on. Let's talk about his mother first. Because she's the one who's raising him. Nicole Warren is a former ballerina who retired from the stage because she met the love of her life and her husband who is played by mark or who is mark warren played by michael b jordan yes the film star michael b jordan returns to his tv roots and he's also producer on this his company um outlier society produced it he's an executive producer and he's this woman's husband now they have a child but unfortunately mark meets a fatal end by something that takes his life supernaturally. The crooked man. It's like a man made of lightning. What? Well, turns out that Mark is a scientist 
And he went to Iceland for the Aurora event, which is when all the stars start falling and doing all that other stuff. And not only did he go, but a number of people went. And they were outside and experiencing this particular event. His best friend and researcher, um, played by, uh, I always want to say John. Jason Ritter. It's Jason. It's, and John is his father, in case you don't know. Yeah, the Grease Company who passed away. Um, Jason Ritter is doing the research, but he's staying inside, you know, researching while this phenomenon's happening. Well, years later, we find out this phenomenon changed the molecular makeup of everybody who was out. And it manifests itself in various ways. Some people disappear, some people can do other things. Basically, they have supernatural powers. And this event happened shortly thereafter. Uh, his wife gets pregnant and they have a son. And guess what? Dion starts manifesting these superpowers. However, Mark died and isn't there to help raise him. Now, what does a single mother do? This, And we might as well, because they address it. She's black, the kid is black, she's a single mother. How is she gonna raise this child? Well, <laughs> glad you asked, because Pat is uh, one, of his, one of Mark's best friends and the godfather to young Dion, and they've gotta figure this out together because there is the research company that Mark worked for that is very concerned. Mm. And mm. once people start to find out that young little eight-year-old Dion has supernatural abilities, the question is, what do they usually do with people like that? You know from all the comic books and every movie, it, it's, it's very imperative that they keep them safe. But along the way, um, wonder, Dion's mother starts to discover some of the other people who were at the Aurora event who have manifested certain things. And they are disappearing one by one. They're dying. And when they die, they like, they don't, they don't like just kill and there's their body. This crooked man, this, this lightning man ends up zapping himself into them and absorbing their complete essence. And so they turn into these like, you want to say ghosts, but they're, they turn into these like faded things. So who's killing these, this thing? Who is Crooked Man? What is Crooked Man? Can the research company be trusted because they've offered, quote, help to try and keep Dion safe? Do they really know what keeping Dion safe means? And because this young mother is raising Dion, how is she going to help her son fine-tune his superpowers? Because by the day... They keep growing and growing and growing. And before you know it, he's not just having Cheerios float in the air, which is kind of how she discovered. He is levitating. He is transporting. He is doing telekinesis stuff. He is power coming out of his hands. And remember, he's eight. So yeah. <laughs> what is that going to look like? If somebody takes your candy, what does that look like? How do you, how do you, how do you control that? So that's the basis of the story. By the time you get to the end, there really isn't a lot of mystery left. In fact, you kind of figure out things pretty early on. And to be honest with you, it got mixed reviews. Like 
there's enough people who say, oh, this felt like Hallmark. It felt like Lifetime-y. It was very, it was juvenile. This really isn't a superhero show. And I say, whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on. To everybody who's going to go click on Netflix because they see Michael B. Jordan, they think, oh my gosh, Killmonger. You think, oh, you know, he was in um, the fabulous, you know, uh, four, Fantastic Four, excuse me. You know, he he's into the superhero world. Oh my gosh, like, we, this is going to be gritty. This is going to be great. This is the, I would say, you have to pay attention to the title. This is called Raising Dion. It's not called... Dion, the mind shifter, or Dion, the super kid. It's called raising Dion. So the emphasis is on Dion, but it's also on those who raise him. And it's the day-to-day in and out of how do you raise a kid, first of all, by yourself? And then how do you also do that when he has supernatural abilities and he's got this evil being who seems to be hot on his tail? And... If you go into it with that in mind, then you're not going to try and expect, ooh, gritty. This is a family-friendly show. Yes, there are some, like, scary moments, if you will, if you're tiny. It's almost like they even had the theme song of Stranger Things as a nod. I'm not going to tell you how they had that play out in the show, but it's almost if you took a... If, if Stranger Things was rated PG-14, this is rated PG. And it's a very much lighter approach to the superhero genre, which by the way, remember in the 80s, superhero genre was pretty light. So, you know, let's pause on, you know, thinking this is the second coming of Joker, because it is not. <laughs> I say this, it's nowhere near it. I say this, was the writing perfect? Ugh, no, it wasn't. But it was entertaining enough to get by because you end up liking these people. The kid who plays little Dion, Josiah, he is wonderful. And this is his first major role. We don't know much about him. He was absolutely, he did an excellent, excellent job. Josiah Young is his name. Alicia Wainwright, who we know from a couple other things that she's done. Um, she's no str- shadow hunters. She's no stranger to supernatural things. She did a great job. I mean, it's hard to play against a kid. So I say this. If you just want, let's say you have kids and you want to watch something that isn't Chris Nolan-y, <laughs> dark and gritty, and you also want to watch something that's not so CW, This may be a great alternative. Disney isn't the only one who can make kids stuff. And I wouldn't say this is a kid's show, but I would say this is a kid-friendly show. Now, the last part is this this has good potential, but it does have a lot of problems. So please note that, especially the last two episodes was challenging. But it was good to see, you know, Michael B. Jordan come back to the small screen. So there you go with that. Mm-hmm. Now you got a chance to see Goliath on Amazon Prime. It's coming back for season three. Gosh, Billy Bob, you just can't go away, can you? <laughs> he is taking on more and more stuff that's proving more and more again that he is the little guy taking on the big guy. But how long can he do this? That's a real question. 
Yeah. Um, and Billy plays Billy, Billy McBride in the show. And we know from the previous two seasons, he used to be this hotshot lawyer. Something happened. He's no longer that. Um, but he's pulled back into the law. And at this moment, at the beginning of season three, I started watching it, Ref, and I thought to myself, did I click on the wrong show? For a split second, I was like, wait a minute, did I hit something wrong in Amazon? Because <laughs> it didn't, it looked like a horror show. Oh, what? There was this, there was this older couple. They were enjoying their, their, themselves in their farmhouse. And this bird uh, essentially ends up dead on their floor. Their dog brings it in. The bird then comes back to life, starts flying around, nuts, goes out. The wife, later on in the night, rushes out into what's supposed to be a bunch of crops, but we can see they're all withered and ends up dead. I'm going to tell you how. Oh, boy. Oh, shoot. What is going on? Yeah, what is happening? The husband is an old friend of Billy's. He calls up Billy. Hey, maybe I need representation because in this part of California, there is a water shortage and it's severe. The residents of this town haven't had water for like a year. Why is this the case? Why? Well, there's some mega farms in the area and Uh, maybe they're the culprit. And one of these mega farms uses so much water that it's more than the city of LA. Why? Now, there is this cabal of people that controls the water, controls the town, controls what's going on. They are actually in charge of who gets water. They're on the water board. (laughs) This is ridiculous. And these people are comprised of familiar faces. Some people you will know. You will know them when you watch season three. So you're going, okay, what is Billy going to do? He's always, like you said, it's Goliath. He's always up against the big guy. He's David. They're Goliath. And there's so many strange people. There is a, there's a guy who runs a casino, a Native American man. He's doing something with herbs, giving people hallucinations, visions. What's going on with him? And when Billy first encounters him, he knows Billy. He's like, welcome back. Billy's like, what? You've never seen me before. We haven't seen Billy in this casino, at this bar, in this hotel. What is going on? There are these twin brothers who, uh, whose mother is attached to all of this. One of them is spying on people at the casino. The other one is popping up at all kinds of places, fixing people's cars. They didn't ask him to do it. Knocking people over the head and apologizing later. What is happening? What is going on here? Now, their mama, she wants to use almonds in order (laughs) to create products that'll, health products. That's what she's doing. Okay. Now, you know that almonds take a lot of water. Like, (laughs) all of this is ridiculous. It's just crazy. And as I'm watching, I'm like, what? Like, this, Goliath has always been dark. It's always had mystery to it. But this is something else. And I have to say, I haven't finished the season. I've had time, but I will. Because I'm just trying to figure this out. I'm watching, like, what is going on? Like, Billy is, he's driving down the road, ref, and having visions. Who is controlling this? Now, somebody warns him that that guy runs the casino. He's a warlock. Oh. Is that true? So the whole thing is this. 
Billy decides to start building a class action suit against these people. Hmm. Are they going to let him succeed? How many people are going to be left standing at the end of this as well? That's the question always in Goliath. And I think if you've seen the first two seasons, then why not watch season three? I, I, I do enjoy the shift. They needed the shift. They changed the locale. They changed the tone a bit. And you always have Billy Bob Thornton looking around going, why am I here? What am I doing? Like, he's perfect at that. <laughs> so it's always interesting to watch. And I'm going to tell you this to end it for Goliath. Nina uh, Arianda, who plays Patty, his uh, fellow, his partner in crime, is a hoot. Nobody can say her name right. She was on, they did a whole thing where she's on the local news trying to get people to come out for this class action. They say her name wrong again. She doesn't know which camera to look at. It's hilarious. So that's <laughs> Goliath. Oh, there you go. That's on Amazon Prime. You can check that out. You can check actually the entire series out if you really want to start from scratch. Let's move on to another show. That boy, oh boy, you like it. <laughs> it's in season three, just like Goliath was, and it's on epics. Now, that's a little more difficult for people because a lot of people don't, you know, they have to pick and choose. Oh, HBO, stars, mm. epics. It's Get Shorty. Yep, it's back. And the question really lies with, all right, we've had, we've made movies. People have died making this movie. <laughs> They've tried to sell it. Where are we at at this point? I mean, we've got a mob slash producer, mobster slash producer, and uh, he's he has enemies from all over the place. Can he survive is the question. Well, yeah, and, and keep in mind, at the end of season two, he was locked up. So this all came crashing down. His boss, the drug queen pin, Amada, they came after her, because here's what happened. Ray Romano's character, Rick, was uh, working with the feds, undercover. And Amada and he were in love. Now, was it real or not? I won't tell you. So they were about to get married. This is how far this went. I love it. And Rick knew that the feds were coming in to get her, and he starts being honest. He starts talking about you and me and all that stuff. She's looking at him like, what? She smells something. She smells a rat. They bust in. She jumps out of the window <laughs> on her car and rides off. Where is she gone? Now, to protect Rick, they lock him up, but he gets, you know, the, the white collar criminal, you know, jail, he's fine. We see this all in season two play out where he's in the jail enjoying himself. It's, you know, it's camp fed. Okay. So they try to protect his cover, but Miles, played by Chris O'Dowd, he goes to real prison. And at the beginning of season three, he's finally coming out. Boy. Now, does he have some people to pay a visit to? Oh, he sure does. You know that. To pay back? Yeah. And one of them is a studio exec. Now, here's what happened. You talked about that first movie. Well, after that first movie, Miles, who was a producer, that <laughs> he is a hitman criminal, okay? So this was all about, you know, washing Amara's money. That was the whole scheme. This went well enough that he optioned another book and put that in production, but then he had to go to prison. So the guy who's the head producer 
scrubbed his name off of the film. Of course, he's a criminal. You can't have him on this. And the film is a raging success. <laughs> oh, of course it is. So he's in prison. The film is doing so well. He comes out and he goes, well, you owe me, right? Now, this studio exec is like, he, I can't trust him. He might try to kill me because he left him a gift at the end of season two that wasn't pretty. Okay, so what's happening with Miles there? He's in a halfway house now. And at the halfway house, of course, there's some people who don't know who he is and they think they can get over on him. No, 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 no. <laughs> now he's in a halfway house. If he makes the tiniest mistake, he goes back into prison. So he's on pins and needles there. He convinces this studio exec to give him a job as an assistant. <laughs> but the studio exec is like, we need to get him out of here. So he has eyes on him, all kinds of things, but Miles is no dummy. Now, his best friend, Lewis, who's not the brightest bulb, he escaped all of this because of some choices he made. So he didn't go to prison. And he is now a talent agent. And one of the actors from the first film he's representing, who is now a big shot, he's a huge talent. So, so Lewis is a major agent. Now in the show, in season three, he's not doing any work. <laughs> he's like, this is the easiest thing I've ever done. No work and I get paid. So they're making a whole comment on talent agents. Yes. That's hilarious. And he's so successful because of his clients that there's a major major talent agency that wants to bring him in. And they have ref the whole, all of the big, you know, partners in the firm there, sitting there, and they're trying to sell him on joining them. Oh, you know, this person rep reps Robbie Malik, you know, that kind of thing. So we <laughs> want you to join. <laughs> and, you know, we'll give you 45 points and your own team and all this other stuff. He's like, okay. They're like, you know, we want you to bring your way of being a talent agent to our agency. Oh, he doesn't dude. have a way. They ask him how he does it. He's like, like, how do you pick? They said, how do you pick roles for your clients? I just read the script and count the number of, of lines. And they start laughing like it's a joke. It's not a joke. <laughs> okay, now, back to Rick and Amara. Rick is telling us the story of how he went to Guatemala to meet up with Amara and get married. Do we believe this story? Why is he telling it? Is he trying to sell something? And he talks about Amara in the past tense. He claims that she's dead. Is she really? No. So that's a mystery as well. And then there are other people involved. There is one former studio exec who she and Miles had something going. She's not doing so well now. How are they going to meet up? Is Miles going to be able to get back up to the top? And if he does, what will be the consequences and who will be left in his wake? So in the very first episode of season three, essentially Get Shorty has done this. We're resetting the story. So they set up all these different characters, where they are now versus where they were. And so you can see a glimpse of where they're going. I enjoyed watching the setup. So it's almost like watching the show from the beginning again. Ah. So we have the setup. The question is, with these pieces now in place, where are they going to go? From the first two seasons, I trust they know exactly where they're going. So I'm looking forward to what unfolds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, now, we've got to end this. We really do, because we've got to say goodbye to a show that the two of us have watched from start to finish. Hmm. Halgon has taken us away. Yes, oh we are talking about none other than PBS's Pole Dark. It is 
my secret confession. <laughs> Paul Dark is bowing out after five seasons, five glorious, ridiculous, ridiculous seasons. And the two of us got a chance to binge it. Now, you may be thinking, wait a minute, wait a minute. There's only like a couple episodes out. Well, if you are a member of um, the uh, subscription service, it's actually not a subscription service. If you donate uh, at least five bucks a month, Mm -hmm. you can have access to binge watch most of their shows when they're released. Not every single show, but most of them. And you also get access to all the previous seasons. But if you're just like, after the critic kind of walks through some things, if you're just like, oh, this sounds interesting, you can go to Amazon Prime and watch the first four seasons. They usually get PBS's stuff. So you can go there, watch it, and then um, if you want to donate uh, to PBS, to your local PBS, then you can binge watch the rest of this, or you can just wait week by week. Poldark, the final season. Oh, wow. So Ross Poldark, played by Aiden Turner. In this season, of course, like every season of Poldark, there are obstacles, there are problems. Oh, jeez. You know, these, these people can never get a break. And what has happened is, when he was in the war, the American Revolutionary War, that's what we call it. Now, <laughs> what do they call it? The American, the American War? I don't know what they Yeah, call. something like that, yeah. yeah. So, you know, he's fighting for England, obviously. And while he was there, his life was on the line. And I don't even know what his uh, rank was, but this this guy above his rank found him and brought him to Dr. Ennis to save his life. So he's indebted to him. Hmm. Hmm. Now, what happens is this man who saved his life, he has been living in Honduras And the time period, my friends, is around the 18th century, right? Into the early 19th century. Mm -hmm. So what was going on? Uh Uh-oh. In the Caribbean. Uh Uh-oh. The slave trade. Yes. So how does this man fit into that? Well, was he a slave owner? He was, but he was a good one. So good, in fact. (laughs) He married. He married one of his slaves. Oh, yes, he did, indeed. Colonel Ned, that's his name. There we go. So he's a colonel, and his wife is Kitty, a former slave. They come back to England. Why? Well, because there's this scheme going on in Honduras that ain't good. They are treating these slaves terribly. He wants none of it, and it's not up to snuff. So he needs Ross's help to help him essentially be reinstated because he was locked up. All right. So can he get back what he had from before? That's the question. Can Ross help him out? Because remember, Ross is now a member of parliament. Now, another member of parliament is George Warlegan. Oh, widow George. And he has just been knighted. And if you know George, you know that 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 means he's even better than he was. And was that even possible? He has a sniveling, sneering uncle at his side. And these people are all about the war leggings. That's it. They don't care about you. They couldn't care less. So they are offered this opportunity to go into business that involves the mahogany business. And mahogany 
is produced by slaves. In Honduras. <laughs> In Honduras. So we know how all of this connects. Now, what do the war leggings think? What does George think about the slave trade? <laughs> That's kind of his attitude. <laughs> is it what he if thinks it, or somebody else thinks? <laughs> him, he doesn't, he's just like, why is this a concern of mine? <laughs> I'm making my money. And by the way, I'm preoccupied because my late wife is still alive. Wait, what? He's having visions. Oh, Lord, he is. And we're having them with him because she's talking to him. He's talking to her. People are looking at him. He's looking at her, but they don't see her. And they're having good old conversations that were hilarious. <laughs> but this is not good. You can't have this. He can't even sign this document to go into business with these people because he's at the scene. Ghosts. So Dr. Ennis has to come in to help. Now, that means somebody knows that he's losing his marbles. Where is that going? Uh-oh. Also, as we go through this fifth season, we talked about, okay, there's this slave trade going. Now, when Kitty and Ned come to England, Ned can't keep his mouth shut. Oh, my gosh. He's God. incapable. So he keeps making it hard for Ross to help him out. And they want these English people to come out against slavery. So that's a, a, an engine here. And at the end of the season, because I don't want to ever give every single thing away. At the end of the season, there's a return of some people. And it's connected to Ross's mind and maybe somebody else's mind, the war leggings. There's something happening because in the town where Ross lives, of course, people are, are hurting. They're not doing well. There aren't enough jobs. And this is where Ross's wife, Demelza, comes in. She tries to hire one of these people, and this chick is nuts. Oh, I'll just put it that way. She thinks that she should have what Demelza has, because remember, Demelza started as a scullery maiden, and Ross married her. So this is a problem. There are people stealing from Ross's mind, and there is a foreign presence. A familiar foreign presence. <laughs> yes. So in the end, what's gonna happen to all of these people? And the question is, who's left standing? Mm-mm. Wow. That was very good tiptoeing. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'll say this real quick, that's it. This season, if you have watched Dark before, there is absolutely no reason why you shouldn't finish it. I mean, really? <laughs> It, they left us with a big, huge cliffhanger. We know that Ross's first love and George's wife is dead. Yeah. She, she died at childbirth. And the question really lies, um, there's some other plot points that you didn't give away, which is good, but I do want to bring up that her first son mm. by George's, or excuse me, um, Ross's cousin, Freddie, I believe is, wait, what's his name? Freddie, I think Francis Poldark. Francis, Francis, mm-hmm. he's coming to his own, and he is fully becoming a man. And the question is: Is George going to give what's rightfully his back to him? And is everyone who's a Poldark going to still be a Poldark? I'll just mm-hmm. say that because that's a big mystery. There's there's a floating Poldark out there that <laughs> that um. Uh, clear the throat. Uh, uh, um. 
is he, you know, going to be a Paul Dark or is he going to be a, a Warlegan? We'll just say that. I oh, Jeffrey Charles. That's it. Jeffrey, Jeffrey Charles. Charles. That's right. Jeffrey Charles. Mm-hmm. And I have to say that this season's no different from all the ridiculousness. It was, in fact, more ridiculous because they're ending. The last two episodes went full speed ahead. I mean, it was like a yeah. roaring, roaring train just blazing through um, it all because they had to wrap up a lot of things. And I will say this. You thought there was a bow around every single, you know, present that Poldark gave us. No, there's a little mystery left. There's some, mm. some some things that are still out there. So I would say if you haven't watched it, you can go to Amazon Prime right now and catch up. It's ridiculous. It's soap opera set in the period time. And if you watch the previous seasons, please don't miss out. And if you really want to binge it, just donate five bucks a month. It's no worries. Yeah, I, I echo everything you said. And I do have to tip my hat to the cast. These people were having such a good time. Um, even when they have nothing to do, just look at them in the background. Prudy, played by B.D. Edney. There was one scene, ref, we were talking about this. All she had to do was bring a man into the room and leave. That's it. She slicks it with this look on her face. I'm like, what is she thinking about? I, it, they were having so much fun. It was all over the place in a good way. And I will say this. When they had to actually nail it, they did. When George is seeing his uh, deceased wife, it was good. Yes. He's about to sign that document and looks up <laughs> and starts talking. All, all of these moments, he's like, wait a minute, but what are you, how are you going to blame me for this? It's like, what? But he's talking. He's not like, it's, it's, that's what made it so like, oh. Right. It's just the way I did it. He's not overdoing it. He's like, what, what do you mean? No, how am I expected to do this? I, I didn't want that to happen to Ross. I mean, what do you want from me? <laughs> the uncle's like, um, uh, we have other engagements. We will sign this later. I mean, it's just fun. It's ridiculous. And as always, the question is, between Ross and Demelza, oh, who's cheating? <laughs> Thank you, Poldark, for all the wonderful years that you've given us. We certainly will miss you. That's it for this week. We will have plenty more next week. So you come right back here at Why Watch That. We promise to keep you in the know of all this pop slinging television. Thanks for listening. For additional resources, visit whywatchthat.com. Good idea, and we'd love to hear from you. So go ahead and leave comments, feedback, and you can rate us on iTunes. We'll see you next week. See you.